Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Live in the Bank Plus studio, this is the SEC Insider Hit. That's right, the SEC Insider Hit, powered by Live Oaks Golf Club and Roosevelt's at Live Oaks. I think the weather will be out enough today to go play around at Live Oaks Golf Club. But you've always got a chance to eat lunch. Tuesday through Sunday, Roosevelt's serving fantastic Southern specials and blue plates. That fried chicken on Sunday lunch ooh, is to die for. But you can't go wrong with the Philly cheesesteak, the chicken strips, the onion rings. The onion rings are where it's at. And, of course, Kyle and JB always serving up the cold beer at Roosevelt's at Live Oaks Golf Club, Highway 49 North. Just south of Pocahontas, go check out Roosevelt's and Live Oaks Golf Club. And while you're there, tour the Reed House at Live Oaks. Perfect for your corporate function, a wedding, perhaps a, uh, a get-together, a little meeting, whatever it is that you need to have done. Roosevelt's and the Reed House at Live Oaks Golf Club can take care of you. We go to the Corona Premier Guest Line. We're going to welcome in Pro Football Focus Senior Analyst, NFL Insider Steve Palazzolo on the Corona Premier Guest Line. Steve Welcome into the Out of Bounds Show. I feel like it's been forever since I've talked to you. Um, has the NFL still going strong? I know I hadn't been around. I just want to make sure they're still they're still cooking with gas. Of course they are. The NFL's always going, right? There's always some kind of news and team building stuff going on. So, yeah, there's, there's no offseason. That's right. That's right. I was looking over different things to talk about. I, I Obviously, we've got some Cowboys discussion here, and we had uh, Cowboys insider David Hellman on uh, yesterday that – kind of drop some some of the feelings out of the star, and I want to get your thoughts from an outsider's perspective. Of course, Kyler Murray holding out of camp in Arizona, potentially. There's a lot of drama there, not going to OTA. So there's a lot to get to. But let's start with the New Orleans Saints because that's a team close to home, and uh, obviously a lot of our listeners are diehard Saints fans. No Drew Brees last year. It was an up-and-down rocky season. Now you have no Sean Payton. There's a whole new era in New Orleans. How do you feel as we approach the first season without two Hall of Famers in the black and gold? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think the Saints have they've done some nice stuff this offseason. You know, they had some some cap issues that probably limited what they could do, but they were able to uh, they've had some turnover on the offensive line but they were aggressive at the draft to go replace, you know, a couple, you know, fill a couple of holes as far as, you know, Trevor Penning at left tackle and Chris Olave at receiver, very aggressive to uh, maneuver the draft board to go get both players. Um, and then you see on the defensive side of the ball, you know, turning things around at safety and, you know, you lose a Marcus Williams, but you bring in a Tyron Matthew, you bring in Marcus May. So there's, there's a little bit of turnover on both sides of the ball, but I think the Saints are well positioned in a, you know, in NFC that I think, you know, beyond the top few teams, beyond the, the Bucks and the Packers and the Rams and maybe the Cowboys, it's a little top-heavy, and I think it's wide open for teams like the Saints to make a run. So it'll come down to, uh, you know, how they handle not having Sean Payton, uh, Jameis Winston staying healthy. He was on, on track to have a, a very good season last year before getting hurt. And, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the young players stepping up. So it's kind of a new era. Uh, in in many ways in New Orleans without Breeze without Peyton but also with some some young players coming in that they're going to rely upon and then uh, you know Tyron Matthew coming home and anchoring that secondary. Yeah, let me ask you this question: How do you does Pro Football Focus have a numerical grading scale for coach impact? 
like an OCDC head coach impacts a team for X amount of value over a course of a season. Do y'all, do y'all have that grading scale? I don't know if I've seen that. We don't have like an official grading scale or anything, but we have a few, we have a few ways to on, on both sides of the ball, kind of, kind of parse out the coaching as much as we can. So on the offensive side of the ball, we'll look at, Hey, how, how effective was this offense in relation to how we graded the players? And, and sometimes you get more offensive production compared to the, the player grading. And something like that is where Sean Payton, uh, his offenses, however you want to, you know, divvy out the credit there, his offenses have generally outperformed what they should do, right, from, yeah. a, from a grading standpoint. And, and so that's, that's kind of how we do it is, is say, you know, here's the expectation giving our, given our player grades, but there's, there's higher or lower production and we'll generally account that to the coach. And, and Peyton was always really good in that regard. Yeah, the sum of the whole is worth more than the value of the parts type of thing. I understand that. We're talking to Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus Senior Analyst. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it. After a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. And I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. And that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The reason I asked that question and laid it out that way is I just want to get your thoughts from an analytical from an analytical perspective, excuse me, of what Sean Payton's absence will mean for the success and failure rate of this Saints offense because that's the thing I don't even with Drew Brees running the show and as much as Drew Brees did, Sean Payton was able to win without Drew in the last 2 to 3 4 years of Drew's career when he he got hurt or, or missed time. So my question with that is just how, you know, do you see a, a big kind of win-loss value on Sean Payton and his absence from this offense as they perform over this first year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it'd be tough not to lose something. I know, you know, Pete Carmichael's back and he's there. It's tough to really know exactly how much impact he had versus Payton. But, you know, the way you laid it out, it's true, right? When they, when they had Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater – uh, or Jameis Winston didn't really matter. They went out there and in one games for the most part, kind of uh, injuries caught up last year for the Saints. And um, but 
But Peyton wasn't just this offense, too. You know, Dennis Allen was running the defense, but there was something about Peyton. He was involved in personnel decisions. You know, they, they've been one of the most aggressive teams as, as far as trying to, you know, attacking, uh, spending money, and also uh, in the draft, you know, moving up to a, to go get Marcus Davenport-type players. So I think Peyton was involved in all of that stuff, right? So offensively, defensively, he definitely had his hand in there. But um, And then long-term, I mean, I know Breeze was there for 15 years, but he took Breeze as an, you know, he was an afterthought, right? He was an afterthought around the league and shoulder issues and, and, and helped turn him into a Hall of Fame player. So always trying to separate the quarterback and the coach, but they're always going to be lumped together. So Peyton did great things there. Um, I think they'll still be okay because they've kept, you know, the same organizational philosophy. They've got a lot of the same people there, and, and I think they'll be okay, but there's probably a little bit that's that's been lost there with Sean Payton just because he's he's had a lot of success through the years, particularly keeping that offense on track, um, and especially after the Drew Brees era. Yeah, Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus Senior Analyst, on the Corona Premier Guest Line, this is the SEC Insider Hit, powered by Mississippi Smart Homes, MSSmarthomes.com. Visit MSSmarthomes.com. Jake Manning and the crew can hook up your house for home automation. Uh, let me ask you this, Steve, as we look towards – I'm going I'm to move into the Cowboys here in just a second, but they, the Saints traded up for receiver five spots. We've talked about this a lot with value and, and things like that. It Was that – too early a commitment to a position like that when you don't have really a, a solid piece at quarterback and you're in your first year with a new coaching staff? Or is this the Saints saying, hey, it's business as usual because we kind of just promoted from within and we're going to operate like we didn't really have a regime tra- change? So I, I think the positional value is fine. I think you saw that around the NFL this year. If, if Some teams made big moves for quarterbacks. But if they weren't making a big move for a quarterback, they were doing it for a receiver, right? It was Tyreek Hill on the move and Devontae Adams and eventually A.J. Brown. I think the league is really catching on to the receiver position used to be thought of as uh, the cherry on the top of, of the offense. Um, they're drivers of the offense. And, and there's only so many moves you can make a quarterback. And, w- and when you have a Jameis Winston at quarterback, you're going to – maximize his value by having awesome receivers to throw to. They moved the needle in the NFL. I think that was a big part of the move for the Saints, going to get Chris Olave. I think where it could come back to fight, though, is when you look at everything that they gave up to go get Chris Olave. You know, next year's first rounder was a part of it, and, and a second rounder and multiple uh, third and fourth round picks. It was like five total picks to go get one mm-hmm. Chris Olave. That's, that's the thing when you go back and say, okay, would it have been better? two and three years from now for the Saints, would it have been better to have five players instead of one Chris Olave? Even if Olave is as good as Michael Thomas, it's going to be tough to justify, well, you could have had, you know, another starting guard, another defensive end, another corner, another average receiver, whatever it might be, right? It's like five players. I think that's the, that's the thing from a team building standpoint that you can go back and say, okay, was that the right decision? But Olave is a very good receiver. Uh, he'll get open. He's a good route runner. I think he'll pair with Michael Thomas well. He'll give you know an important weapon to Jameis Winston. And it was business as usual for the Saints who just said, hey, this is what we do. We're aggressive. We go target the players we need. Uh, we needed a receiver. We needed a tackle. And that's what we did in the first round. There you go, Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, senior analyst on the Corona Premier Guest Line. This is the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. SEC Insider Hit powered by MSSmarthomes.com, Mississippi Smart Homes. Uh, for your home theater system, let them 
take care of you. You can be set up for NFL season, get all the games, and have all the surround sound, MSSmarthomes.com. All right, let's talk Cowboys. The big debate around the NFL circles is whether or not Dallas took a step back from last year, not just talent-wise, but maybe true production-wise, right? Because I know that sometimes you can lose a name and still have valid production behind that name. It's just that people don't know them. Did the Cowboys get worse? Are they the same? Did they get better? What what is Steve Palazzolo's thoughts heading into 2022 for Dallas? I mean, it's tough to look at their roster and say that it got better on paper. You know, you lose an Amari Cooper, you know, for whatever he's worth, right? I mean, the fact that Amari Cooper has been kind of run out of town by the Raiders and the Cowboys, I think is, is somewhat meaningful, but it's also meaningful that once Amari Cooper got to town, Dak Prescott's production went through the roof in two, starting in 2018. And I know they've done a nice job adding to that receiving core in recent years, but uh, losing Amari Cooper and essentially trying to replace him with Jalen Tolbert, James Washington, uh, you know, more production from CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup, you have to call that a step back. You lose a starting left guard in Connor Williams, who'd been pretty dependable despite all the penalties. You lose uh, Randy Gregory. Um, and, and then you try, you're trying to replace those players essentially in the draft, pretty much directly in the draft. That's how the draft went, right? Tyler Smith's going to step right in at left guard. And Sam Williams is going to come in and, you know, maybe be the pass rusher for Randy Gregory. And Jalen Tolbert's going to come in and try to replace some of Amari Cooper's production. So it's tough to say that they got better. Now, at the same time, we're talking about a team that, you know, lost to, lost to the 49ers in the playoffs, easily could have won that game. And, uh, you know, moved moved into the divisional or the or the conference championship in the playoffs. Like they were good enough last year to make those moves, so this will be good. But I, it, they're going to need other players to step up here. They definitely, I think, on paper took a step back. And just that doesn't always directly translate to record. The, the core pieces are still there. You still have Dak. You still have a good receiving core. You still have a good offensive line, and you still have a very good defense led by superstar Michael Parsons. So um, I think Dallas is, you know, the best team in the NFC East. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFC. But as other teams are getting better, it's hard to say that the Cowboys did that this offseason just because they lost some some pretty key pieces. I know that we are a reactionary sport in football, especially in the NFL, and we're a copycat reactionary sport, right? So someone starts running the spread offense and it works. Now everybody's got spread concepts on and on down the line. The Cowboys have not joined the copycat edition of the league in the recent years in terms of really diving into free agency. Uh, I know, again, recency bias, but the last few champions, the last few top-end teams feel like they have added key pieces, not built their teams entirely, although Tampa is unique, but, but key pieces have been acquired in free agency. Dallas continues to double down, triple down on we're going to draft and trust the draft process. How big of a mistake is that for Dallas to continue to neglect the free agent pool? So I think a big, so and I think the only mistake is, is stuff like the Zeke contract, which I think we're obligated to mention here every time I'm on, right? We have to have to talk about that. That's, of course. I mean, no, those, those are the issues, right? I mean, they have, through the draft, the Cowboys have added a ton of good players through the years. Uh, and then, 
but the, I think the issue is that you give Zeke a second contract, right? I mean, they, look, they were aggressive to go get Amari Cooper a couple of years ago. It wasn't free agency, but it was a trade. Uh, they were aggressive there. But I think Dallas just got to this point where not only were they just trying to keep their own, but their own were pretty good. You know, you've got guys like Tyron Smith and uh, Zach Martin, and you know, they bring back Michael Gallup. And Demarcus Lawrence is, is good, despite whatever the sack totals say. He's very good. Um, so those are the guys that they've invested in, and that's just where the money has gone. I, I think it's just where the Cowboys are in their life cycle as a roster, being that they've, they've drafted a lot of very good players over the last five or so years and had to pay them. And, you know, I think that's uh, including Dak um, and then Zeke for whatever it's worth. So I think that's just taken up most of the money. As far as dabbling in free agency, I don't think you have to make splash moves in free agency, but the NFL, it's important to be good in your, your top you know, 25 to 30 players on a roster. And I think you can find some top 25 to 30 players in free agency and not really breaking the bank. I think that might be the one place where Dallas can do a better job is um, getting some more of those middle tier free agents, um, whether it's, you know, filling a hole here and there in the secondary, adding more defensive line depth, just doing a better job there because that's where they failed from a draft perspective is, is that defensive line on the, on the interior, just not building through the draft effectively, that's where I would sprinkle in more free agents. So it's less about the splash moves for me in free agency and more about, hey, there are some very good veterans that you can go get to just kind of tidy up other parts of the roster. I think the Cowboys could do a better job of that. Yeah, Steve Palazzolo, Steve Palazzolo, excuse me, pro football focus senior analyst on the Corona Premier Guest Line. This is the Out of Bounds Show, SEC Insider Hit, powered by Mississippi Smart Homes, mssmarthomes.com. That's, I guess, where my point is, Stephen. That's what I keep going back to. I don't need you to go sign Matt Stafford and or Tom Brady, right, or OBJ. Those aren't the – and I, I don't think Odell Beckham is the value that his name gives, but it's a splash name, right? Uh, but I think that the inability or the unwillingness to explore adding those key 25th player on your roster, 28th player on your roster, 30th player on your roster, right, I do believe that that's where the Cowboys' biggest weakness has been over the last five years, and it's why their roster has never truly been complete because they don't approach filling the puzzle the the whole way through, I guess, would be would be my thoughts. Um, we're talking to Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus Senior Analyst. This is the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Talking quarterbacks, Dak Prescott says he's the healthiest he's been in, in years. Where are you with Dak, his progression, what he has to prove this year coming off two seasons where obviously two years ago you had the gruesome season-ending injury to the ankle four or five weeks in, and then last year it felt like he was really nagged throughout the year with some shoulder and calf issues. Yeah, I think Dak is, you know, he's improved over the last couple of years. You'll feel better about what he's been able to do. And um, I think last year was, yeah, you could you could kind of tell things changed uh, at one point with the with the calf injury in the middle of the season where he wasn't playing as effectively. So I think Dak is one of the you know he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's in that top eight to ten type of range. And you know I think when you look at what he's going to have to do this year, I keep coming back to Amari Cooper. You know he he was a big he had a big impact on Dak's production and, and a big impact on the Cowboys having one of the best pass games when Dak's been healthy over the last few years is, is having legit receivers, having three legit receivers. And even when 
Michael Gallup got hurt last year. Cedric Wilson's stepping up, and you know he's gone as well. So um, I think it's I think there's a little bit more pressure on Dak to show that hey, he can carry this team, uh, take better care of the ball because he wasn't doing that very effectively last year at the end, you know, down the stretch. But I think there's just a little bit more pressure on Dak Prescott to go uh, win more games for the Cowboys and do it doing it with a slightly lesser receiving core. Can he bring a Jalen Tolbert around? You know, that's that's how you're going to have Dak go from this, hey, he's a top eight, he's a top ten guy to, into, into that top five range as he um, elevates the rest of the offense around him. Um, and he's got an opportunity to do that this year. But, again, I think he's he's in the mix as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, which, of course, is a, a great starting point and gives the Cowboys a, a really good chance to win next year. All right, Steve. Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, senior analyst on the Corona Premier Guest Line. Let me jump into another quarterback. Uh, Kyler Murray is obviously a name that people know. He played at Texas A&M, then um, played at Oklahoma, obviously. What what exactly is happening in in Arizona? Because it feels like a little bit of a weird situation. Kingsbury, still a young, unproven head coach in a lot of ways. Um, Kyler Murray now not at OTAs holding out what what's the situation with Kyler Murray in Arizona I mean I think I think Kyler like other like other quarterbacks they're just starting to take take some of the power back as far as you know when they want to get paid and all that stuff we saw we saw this saga with Dak for a few years where we're kind of seeing it with Lamar Jackson even though it's not as highly publicized but there are quarterbacks once they hit year three or four that they know they're they're due to get paid in a year or two, and they want to get paid a year early, and and they all have different goals. You know, I think uh, Dak wanted to have some, you know, some out and out on the back end of his contract. Other, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes like the ten year deal where they're locked up forever and have half a billion dollars, right? So everybody's got slightly different goals as far as what they want here. I think Kyler just wants to get his money now. Strike while the iron's hot here, heading into year four. I think eventually they'll figure it out in Arizona because with the Cardinals, I, there are some warning signs with Kyler. The fact that you know it's kind of gotten to this point, it was a it was a tough finish to the season, mm-hmm. just an ugly playoff loss, and you know just a just a bad taste in the in, in their mouth coming off of last season. But I mean, Arizona doesn't want to go back to finding another quarterback. I don't think. I think they want to, you know, pay Kyler his 40 and, and then start building around him and, and move on. So eventually I think they'll figure it out, but it's just a matter of Kyler Murray saying, Hey, it's my turn now and, and pushing it forward uh, a little bit more than we've seen from, from other QBs in the past. Yeah. And that, and that brings up this question. I know Kyler Murray is a fantasy freak when it comes to the quarterback position, but is he someone that you build your franchise around for 10 years? You know, I think there's a lot of QBs, that are in that interesting position of like we we they're good but we don't know how good they are and and what's the threshold for I'm going to pay this guy top end or you know top 10 money to continue to lead my franchise and what is my ceiling I don't is Kyler Murray in that kind of question mark group of of maybe he's worth it maybe he's not I mean, there's always a little bit of risk there, but I think he's in that top 10 range. I think he's in that range of, of who you want to pay, in part because of his skill set, because he, he's going to make special throws. He did that last year, a huge big-time throw rate by, you know, by our numbers, but also his ability in the run game to, to build the run game around him if needed, to let him scramble around and make plays. You're, he, he has 
he represents a guy that can lead a high floor offense because of his rushing ability, but also a high end offense because he can throw the ball. And he's progressed. He has gotten better every single season. The offense has gotten better uh, as far as playing to Kyler's skill set and, and expanding his skill set a little bit. So despite the tough finish to the season last year for Kyler Murray, I still think he's a top 10 caliber player and you just kind of lock him up and pay him his 40 and, and know what you're getting into from a team building effort as far as the next few years. So I, I think Kyler's in that range. All right. There you go. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, senior analyst on the Corona Premier Guest Line. Uh, dropping the knowledge on the Cowboys, the Saints, the quarterback situations, and everything in between. We appreciate your time, Steve. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thanks, Blake. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus on the Corona Premier Guest Line, the SEC Insider Hit, powered by Mississippi Smart Homes. Jake Manning and the crew, let them handle your home automation, make life a little easier. MSSmarthomes.com. MSSmarthomes.com. Check them out today. They can uh, handle your home theater. They can handle home automation with lighting, with security, the Google Chrome Hub, any and everything. Let them take care of you. MSSmarthomes.com, MSSmarthomes.com. Two hours in the books, hour three coming up next. We have Dave Bartu, College Football Matrix, coming at 9.30. That's right, Dave Bartu at 9.30. We're going to talk a little SEC football and the college football playoff. How many teams can really win a title in a given year? We'll talk about that and more coming up. Hour number three on the other side.